Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Oversharing Wearing. I hope you guys are all okay and managing in this crazy time. We're still in lockdown but there is starting to be light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not getting too excited at the moment but I'm feeling less trapped by the situation and I hope you guys are feeling that too. Following on from the last episode, when I spoke about the abuse I went through, I wanted to take the opportunity in this episode to talk about the emotional fallout from that abuse and how it's affected my behaviour over the subsequent years. But first of all, I wanted to share with you um, something quite cool, which has actually really, really helped me. A childhood friend got in touch with me after hearing the last episode. He was my brother's best friend growing up and he spent a lot of time at our house. He got he sent me some messages to say that he understood what I had gone through, that he knew that something wasn't quite right and that he inherently felt that there wasn't quite a dark undercurrent at our house. When someone reaches out to you like that and just gets it, it's just the most amazing feeling. And I say that because it happened a long time ago and you kind of do doubt yourself and you, you know, you, you've you lived with it for so long. It's completely embedded in your brain, all these difficult and painful memories. And you do kind of think, God, was it that bad? Or, or you know... Did I imagine that? So for someone to reach out was just amazing. I have to say, obviously, I'm not looking for affirmation from doing this podcast. But it is lovely to have that happen. And um, yeah, I really, really appreciated it. So during that time in my life, I numbly accepted what was happening. I developed blind spots when it when I was mistreated, so I didn't fully always take in what was said to me as a way of coping, I think. To this day, I have to say that I feel a sadness that I didn't have anybody in my life that I could talk to, Uh, you know, like an aunt who loved me unconditionally, for example. Both my parents' behaviour was very conditional and I felt, with my mum in particular, that I had to kind of earn her affection. I spent a lot of time in my room kind of feeling this almost physical pain in my chest from just feeling so alone. And to be honest, there was part of me that just didn't want to exist. I, I was kind of living in fear the whole time. And recently, I've started counselling. I think I've mentioned that before. And my counsellor asked me to sum up how I felt at that time when my dad would get angry or when he would say all these hateful things. And it was just sheer terror. That was it. Just sheer terror. And no child should have to live like that. But I want to kind of talk about how that has affected me from then on. And I kind of wanted to 
do this episode to say that you're not alone if you've also been through similar things. And some of what I'm going to say is probably a little bit shocking, and um, but I also think it's going to be quite relatable. I've always been really, really neurotic about illness and somebody close to me getting ill. And actually, this probably sounds really selfish, but me getting ill, I get really, really paranoid about... Um, the thought of dying and I get really scared around illness I've always been really affected by things Uh, anything in the news would cause me to excessively worry Um, my skin was so paper thin when it came to coping with anything and it resulted in me weirdly being quite manic around people when I started at boarding school when I was 16 my my um dorm mates would tell me to shut up because I would just talk and talk and talk and I had like this never end ending kind of like energy and I think actually a lot of it was like living on my nerves and having like all this kind of excessive adrenaline I do anything for a laugh that is absolutely true and a positive reaction I I always wanted to kind of not be the center of attention but especially if there was a big crowd of people, you know, I'd be the, you know, the the clown and trying to, I don't know, probably, if I'm really honest, get people to like me. I once (laughs) climbed into an industrial tumble dryer when we were doing our laundry at boarding school and my friend shut the door, she shut me in the tumble dryer, it was this huge, and I I'd started spinning around and I pissed myself on all of our clean clothes because I was so scared. I mean, that is how far I would go to get a laugh and to get people on side. I mean, how bloody ridiculous is that? Oh, my God. I think, you know, when you when you are quite manic and you're kind of living, like, quite an anxious existence, it kind of meant I didn't really know how to look after myself. I was kind of desperate not to unpick what I'd been through. So on the outside, I probably seemed quite happy and bubbly. But on the inside, I was absolutely riddled with self-doubt, low self-esteem. And actually, when you have mental health issues, you become adept at hiding how you really feel. You're so scared to let the mask slip and, you know, to, to be vulnerable and to say, I'm struggling... I'm really not coping with what I'm going through or I'm having a really difficult time. That's, you kind of learn these coping mechanisms to to get through it. And often it's our worst undoing. And I think that that's why, and this is just my opinion, a lot of people commit suicide because they just feel there is no way out the pain is so bad and they so don't want to keep living through it that they can't see a way out the thing is I think looking back all I really wanted was someone to notice and to understand but you know if the mask is up on then it's really hard for people to know but when I did speak to people at boarding school they were so supportive and it and I think it made sense Um, my art teacher actually who was an amazing guy told my parents I was a genius (laughs) he was like Sophie is this weird genius 
Uh, I, I don't think he was talking about my artwork because it was pretty shit, but um, he said to me on a number of occasions, you're going to burn out. You, you're, you're not being good to yourself. And he was absolutely right. He was so right. And he saw it. And he called it. But obviously, when you're 16, 17, you're like, no, of course not. You know, I'm young. I'm, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I, I, nothing's wrong, you know. But he was so right. He was so right. But as I entered my 20s, um, I knew absolutely that even if I started to even experiment with drugs, I knew that I would probably, there'd be no way back for me, as I'm so all or nothing. And I think, you know, often in those times when people do turn to drunk, drink and drugs, it's because they have a huge void in them. And I, I have that. I still have a void in me. And I think that's partly why I rushed into my first marriage. And I just so wanted to be loved and accepted. And I think that he saw that he saw that vulnerability and I, I, I know I come across as quite a vulnerable person anyway at points but he absolutely knew and it was when the gaslighting started and it was very gradual that's the thing there's a build-up and it was very subtle that was how my dad's behavior was as well it wasn't bam it was it was gradual and then you almost don't realize how bad things are getting and once it got more regular and I'd had a baby with this person I kept thinking at the time if I maybe change that he'll stop so I would I would always be constantly on edge modifying my behavior and I think that was already learnt from how it was with my dad I learnt to tiptoe around and actually I think underneath I had this anger bubbling away uh, under the surface. I was in an here I was again in another shit situation feeling trapped and worthless. But now I was absolutely lucky enough to be a mum and I I was thinking I should be happy. This is this is all I've ever wanted. All I've wanted was to be a mum and he's robbing me of this golden time. And this was around the time that I would I started buying things and then I'd take them back and I'd get kind of like a secret thrill from exchanging something or getting my money back so I could choose another new shiny thing. And before I knew it, to be honest, I was doing it all the time Uh, and it was only when I got banned from a shop, like a really lovely shop, that I was so mortified that I kind of woke up and, and thought, what the bloody hell am I doing? But I kind of then spiralled into, oh, this is so hard to talk about, shoplifting. So I I wasn't even planned. I just put some flowers on the buggy in the hood. I kind of thought, can I get away with this? And I did. I'm so, so ashamed that I I did that and and then it became like a regular thing and I get like this like weird high from doing it and I was kind of like addicted to the little feelings of euphoria when I got away with it and I know trust me I know this is pathetic and and I'm I am ashamed that it I did that but 
I was trying to call, I was kind of caught up in trying to make myself feel better, but I was doing something so wrong and I knew it was wrong. So I was in this weird cycle of, of trying to cheer myself up and then, but in a really negative kind of way. And I think I was sort of drawn to drama, if that makes sense. It was like I adopted certain behaviours to keep feeling bad and, um, I, it took me a long time to break the cycle, to be honest, but I did, and I'm so grateful because it it's it still mortifies me to that to this day. I don't actually recognise that person, but then it kind of, as I had more children, um, it kind of transferred to keeping the house like super t- tidy, and everything was quite minimal, and I think everything had its place and I'd easily feel out of sorts if there was a mess and let's face it when you've got four children there is always a mess so I was constantly fretting cleaning and again it was another cycle of trying to make myself feel better like almost self-soothing and then obviously it didn't stay like that for long so then I was just in this constant kind of anxiety bubble where I was so busy with the children and had so little time for me and when I did, I was cleaning and, and you know, I'd be have everything so ordered that it was it was quite unnatural. And I think the thing with the anxiety, as I've talked about before, is that you feel so out of control with your feelings and your thoughts, and you're desperately trying to find order, which I think again leads to addiction, eating disorders, and behaving in a way that isn't true to who you really are because you don't want to feel bad. So you're doing anything you can to make yourself feel better and not feel that familiar sinking feeling of shame and misery. It took a long, long time and a lot of therapy to break those negative patterns. I kind of knew that I wasn't I couldn't carry on like replacing one negative behavior for another and and the cleaning thing doesn't sound bad but you know I was washing the, the children's bedding every night washing ours every night you know I was exhausted and and I just I don't know I I it was just I I just had to stop and it was affecting my marriage because I'd get so wound up if things weren't right you know, I had to step back from that. And and I think no matter what you do, however much you paper over the cracks, that the anxiety just isn't going to disappear. Sometimes it's going to be loud and it's going to be in your face and you're going to feel frightened and tense and agitated. And other times it's just like a quiet hum in the background and you kind of can just carry on with your life. But at other times like now in this bloody pandemic, which can it just fuck off now, please? My fear of illnesses and dying have overwhelmed me, to be honest. There've been times when I've done like a little cough and I'm like, oh God, here we go. It's starting. I'm going to get COVID. And it's the same with the children really, but you know, I worry about them. You know, they don't need a fretful mother. They, they, they need me to be strong and I need to be strong for them. So I've like, sat with it actually and gone right okay take it a day at a time don't get overwhelmed sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't I think if I could change 
one thing and still be anxious, that's okay. It would be the intrusive thoughts. Now that, for me, has been the hardest thing to deal with. I would do absolutely anything to never feel like that again. And I know, obviously, that's not realistic. But sometimes I, I'm, I can manage it and, and I can bat away those intrusive thoughts. And other times I, I can't. And that I find really, really difficult. So that's part of why I'm having counselling at the moment, to see if I can find a way to cope better with that when it happens. And I think going back to what happened when I was younger with my dad... When you're being told that someone hates you, when you're being fed all this bile, you think that you're a bad person. Like, what have I done to deserve this? Am I really so bad? Is, is, this, is this what I deserve? And I think in a way, that kind of explains in a way the intrusive thoughts. Because when I have them, they're normally about wanting to hurt someone or thinking I'm capable of hurting someone. or, And I think it kind of makes sense. I don't know if it makes sense to you guys listening to this now, but I'm trying to find a way to not let them overwhelm me. And I don't have them often, to be fair, but when I do, they are pretty scary. What's becoming more apparent is that we don't need to put up with this behaviour. Times have changed. It's still there. I mean, with the pandemic things have been hugely exacerbated again and for for people in lockdown who are stuck in domestic uh, abuse situations it's just hell on earth and I did some charity work uh, last year with um, a company in London a non-profit organisation who speak out for domestic abuse survivors and are trying to research places that um, people can go to escape a violent partner. So they did a petition with the government to um, try and use hotels that are now abandoned for refuge. So I did some social media for that. And I have to say, that was such a connecting time for me, like connecting my truth and who the, the good in me and the kind person who wants to make a difference with what happened to me in my first marriage and with my dad for other people doing like spreading the word and and actually that was such an, one of the most amazing things I've ever done and I'm so grateful for that time with that love and power it was just such an amazing opportunity so I don't we don't I think if you choose to revisit the past as I am and to unpick the trauma it's not going to change the narrative obviously but I can now speak to that child. If that sounds weird, it sounds like I'm possessed. <laughs> what I mean is I can have my 45-year-old head on and look back to that time and try and rationalise more of the intense, painful memories and kind of take the heat out of them. I don't know if that makes sense. And I also I'm trying to talk about it a bit more with my friends and even a bit with my eldest son because he's 22 and he he knows what my dad's like and it's like I think it's quietening those intense negative voices that says you're you're not worth it you're not a good person you don't deserve good things and and I'm trying to 
kind of like readdress the balance of those that negativity and look towards the light I suppose and I know once this pandemic's over I'm going to change a lot of the way I behave and think about things and I think a lot of us will as well I'm just going to keep on trucking as they say so thank you so much for listening to this episode I really really appreciate it and every single message I get just lifts my heart and I so get it if you've been through something similar to this there is shame there I am bloody ashamed to tell you some of the things I've I've done but we can only move forward by talking about this stuff so I hope it helps and if you like this podcast share it with your friends subscribe on iTunes leave me a review anything would be amazing so lots and lots of love to all of you take care guys bye Bye.